0: You know, my dad, Ken, had a father named Leif who pastored a small church in a small town in Oak Ridge, Oregon, uh, a logging community, around 3,000 people uh, today, and it became a place where he loved to fish. And so when I was a kid, dad would uh, take me down there and uh, taught me how to fish. And I remember he he taught me how to uh, we'd fish for these uh, native trout, uh, rainbow trout, um, and with salmon eggs that would come in these. You'd get this little glass bottle of uh, jar of salmon eggs, and you'd put two of them on this little tiny hook. And Dad taught me how uh, we would um, – he taught me how to recognize in a stream where the fish might be hanging out. Now, these are um, – mountainous streams where the water is fed by snowmelt, very cold water, um, <clears throat> and it takes a little bit of hiking to get down to them uh, from um, a logging road. And um, you would uh, hike your way uh, down uh, through this old growth and the trees and uh, get the stream would be uh, pretty small. And we'd get in with our, you know, our jeans and tennis shoes and wade through the stream, walk up the stream. Dad taught me how to recognize where uh, there would be a resting place for the fish as they were uh, swimming upstream and how to toss the, the bait up ahead of where they might be so that it would float naturally down to where the fish are. And, uh, man, what fun we had, how exciting it was. I'll never forget it. Uh, when I was a little kid, the the way that these fish would grab uh, grab that bait and take off, and it was so exciting. And we had these uh, uh, fishing rods that were telescoping rods uh, with uh, a fishing line that was only a pound and a half line. So these fish, they might be maybe uh, up to, you know, 10 inches uh, long or more would feel like monsters. It was so exciting. And um, we, uh, Dad took me to these uh, different spots where there was a day where we caught over 75 fish and it was amazing. It was so much, so exciting, so much fun. And uh, it turns out that when a person is reliable, their words are more meaningful, I just want to say that again. When a person is reliable, their words are more meaningful. And here's what I found to be true: God's word gives light for the way. God's word gives light for the way. The way of life. And you know, obviously, 2020 brought us uh, a lot of different challenges. And uh, for many of us, we we didn't function the way that we would normally function. There were things that we had to do differently. We had to find new solutions. And um, a lot of us found ourselves needing to get guidance from different people And the same was actually true at the time that Jesus walked the earth in that people were looking for guidance. And there was a period, uh, there was a time in uh, the life of Jesus while he was on earth where there were some people that were believing him. They saw his miracles. They heard his teaching and they were believing his identity as a son of God, as a Messiah. And there were also people who were not believing him, who were rejecting him. And it was, it was a, Time where actually things were were dark in in uh, the current events of the day. There were a lot of reasons to to be experiencing depression or anxiety, um, and it was a time that was spiritually dark for uh, the people of Israel. had been over had been four hundred years since they'd had a prophet speaking from God to them. Um, they had um, scripture. Um, that they knew was inspired from God, but it was a time that was spiritually dark here. Jesus comes on the scene. Some of them are believing in him. Some of them are not. And here's what he says um, in, in that moment from John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. The mission of Jesus includes bringing people out of a place of darkness into the light. It's a spiritual sense. And definitely, I mean, Jesus was with Father God when he um, created light. And Jesus is the living word of God. So there's all sorts of spiritual mysteries there. Uh, but when you think about <clears throat> ancient times, I started to understand how to use oil to have uh, these lamps and how to get around a little bit in the dark. Um moving around in the dark is uh, dangerous. Uh, Maybe you've had that experience post-Christmas. Anyone ever step on a Lego? It's like the worst thing that can happen over Christmas. You're walking around in the dark and things are not where they normally are. Um, Jesus is saying um, that in a spiritual sense, I'm going to light the way and it's going to give you peace of knowing where to go, where to step, how to live, how to walk, and it's going to help protect you from the dangers of this world. So that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. That's what Jesus said. He went on to say, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me to say what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. God's word gives light for the way. I want to say that again. Simple but helpful and meaningful, I think. God's word gives light for the way. I, I, want, I think that we can easily miss the example of Jesus in some ways because we think that he, he's the cheat code and we can miss out on the reality that in his life he had a human life and he's actually a really good example to us and we should be careful to not just skip over or, or ignore the example that Jesus gives us. What we see here in John 12 is that Jesus is, is telling them God's word gives light for the way. And he's saying that he is telling them things that God is telling him to say. Jesus was hearing the voice of God. He heard the voice of God while he was here on earth in his human life. And then he said what the Father God told him to say. That's what Jesus was saying. And he was saying that anyone who had put his trust in him, including in those words, they would no longer be in the dark. It's reminiscent of what we see in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. See, God's word gives light for the way. I want to narrow our focus a little bit here to look at the example of Jesus, to learn something really important from it. It's important for us to understand Jesus, the Son of God, was with Father God before he was born here on earth and the Holy Spirit. There was a relationship. It was a a relationship that included love and peace and this interaction with the human race through God's story of redemption throughout history. So Jesus knew what God had said in the past, but here he is in a human life on earth and he has learned, he's been a young boy and and young Jewish boys in their schooling would learn those first five books of the Bible, which include the way that God interacted with Moses and God spoke to Moses guidelines for how to live. And so Jesus learned that as a child, he got to know it. And so he also knew what the scripture was at the time that he was alive, with what we have today as the Old Testament. And Jesus showed in his life that we see in uh, the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus showed a priority on what God had said and what God was saying in the moment. What we see is that Jesus quoted Scripture often. Jesus understood the purpose of what God had said in Scripture, and he used it accordingly. And we, we actually have a lot of examples of that. Let me give you one. And today, uh, I'm not going to list the Scripture reference out loud of, of every reference. They'll be on the screen, and they'll be in the notes and at the podcast, of slash messages. One of the references that we uh, look at often is when Jesus was asked, What is the most important of the law and the prophets? And he's asked about that. And he goes specifically to where God was speaking through Moses at the time of the Ten Commandments, some guidelines for healthy life. And Jesus says that the most important is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And what Jesus is saying about that is like, hey, the scripture that you have, that you have copies of, that you've been reading and learning from, memorizing and meditating on, this is the most important thing in all of that. And so he's pointing to that. He's pointing to what he has learned and how he has operated as the son of God in his relationship with Father God and the Holy Spirit. It's a great example to us. Jesus points to what God had already said. He didn't say, oh, forget about what God said in the past. Let me just tell you what God's saying right now. He could have done that. And I think that in some ways, some of us would prefer that he did that because it takes work to get to the Bible. And so it's easier for us, let me just hear, let me just hear what God is saying now. And listen, we believe that God speaks now through the Holy Spirit. We believe in prophecy. We believe in those things. But what we see in the example is, in, of Jesus is that he, he had both a, a priority on what God is saying now and a priority in what God had already said and was found in what they recognized as Scripture. So Jesus makes that pretty clear. He actually uh, points to this um, in a number of different ways that I, I just want to lift out of Scripture examples of how Jesus did this. Jesus pointed to Scripture when he was talking about God's value system on a personal relationship with us and God's heart for mercy. Jesus says, Matthew nine thirteen. Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And he's referring to uh, Hosea 6, 6. God says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Jesus says, go back to that scripture and learn the meaning of that scripture. He's talking about relationship. He's talking about God's love and God's mercy and and God's value system. We see that in, in both the Matthew 22 passage and the Matthew 9. Jesus is speaking about God's value system. Another thing that a lot of us can do in life is we can start to define ourselves by things that people say about us. Um, You know, I I remember the first time uh, that a coach in a sport told me I was doing good at something. That was a big deal because I don't think I was naturally athletic, not particularly fast uh, for sure. And hand-eye coordination wasn't fantastic. I remember in soccer, the first time a coach said, that was great, you know, registered with me kind of became a little bit a part of how I identified myself. Um, And and that, you know, is true for all of us in human nature when someone says we're good at something. Uh, And as the issue of identity comes around, actually, Jesus also pointed to scripture when he was revealing his own identity. Um, and here, here's where we see that. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. It's important that we have this weekly rhythm and where there's a public reading of scripture. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll, found the place where this is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And at that time, the Lord's favor has come. Jesus rolled up the scroll handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All the eyes on the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This is a moment of fireworks in the life of Jesus. This is like a Superman revealing who he is this moment. And Jesus, the way that he does that, is not with a story. He was a great storyteller. It was not with a question. He was great at asking questions. It wasn't with a miracle. It wasn't with flying, coming back to earth. It wasn't making his favorite meal. Jesus' way of revealing his identity was pointing to the Scripture, to what God had said in the Scripture. I think that's important. Um, What we also see is that Jesus quoted Psalm 118, when discussing God's purpose despite the rejection he was facing, we actually see in a number of occasions there were people that rejected Jesus that never believed that he was who he said he was and Jesus was you know fully human and fully divine and I think it hurt and we show Jesus show uh, we see Jesus showing that emotion at different times uh, but we also see that Jesus was processing what it meant to be personally rejected. And he was personally rejected. Um, and Jesus asked them, didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builder re- builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the Will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone it falls on. Jesus, referring to Psalm one eighteen, that says that that gives that quote about the stone that the builders rejected becoming the cornerstone, says this is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. Jesus was pointing to Scripture in a moment of being rejected by people it brought comfort to him help to him it helped him see purpose in the middle of his suffering in the middle of suffering being rejected by people because it was not only that people didn't like him but it was also he knew what it meant it meant that they were rejecting the father it it meant that they were going to be held accountable for their sins not forgiven and not have that new spiritual life and so it was very painful for jesus But in that, Jesus was not crushed to a point of being overwhelmed. He didn't lose sight of who he was and his identity. He had found the truth about his identity in Scripture and what God had already said. He had learned from what God had already said in Scripture who he was. What he had found was that God's word gives light for the way. With the way of his life and and how he viewed himself in his own identity, and he found comfort in that, he found purpose in it, and he found direction in it. What we also see is when uh, when Jesus faced temptation, you read the story of Matthew four and Luke four. Um, he quotes scripture, and he quotes a section from Deuteronomy six and Deuteronomy eight, uh, where God is speaking these words of formation. Um, it, it's a powerful uh, story. Let's look at it just. Just briefly, Matthew 4, we'll look at that version. And Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days of 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came back and took care of Jesus. So Jesus quoted scripture, the word of God, what God had already said when he was in a time of being personally rejected and when he was in a time of temptation. I think it's notable, too, That Jesus knew how to handle the word of God. Jesus, what you see uh, when you study, how did Jesus quote scripture? Jesus shows that he knows in each of the scripture what the context is. Who is speaking, to whom they are speaking, what's happening in the story, what God is doing in the story, what other scriptures say about that story, what other scriptures say about what God is saying in that story as a proof text. So what you have is a plain, simple truth that's profound, that's life-giving, that's clear, so that you come to an understanding of what was the people that were there in that moment, what they understood the truth to be based on the context. We can't have scriptures say anything Contrary to what the people who heard it at that time understood to be the truth. And God wouldn't be very nice if he made it dark and mysterious and impossible to understand. We see in the example of the life of Jesus He's using scripture with the right context, with what it actually meant at the time, and the powerful spiritual truths that are relevant to the day he was living in and are relevant to us in the day that we are living in. And that was different than how the devil was using the scripture. It's important for us to see that In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and when he came to tempt Jesus, that the enemy used Scripture too. The enemy used what God had said. And what he would do is he would overstate the prohibition, and he would exaggerate the consequences. He would twist them. A perversion is a twisting of the truth. A twisting of the truth is what the enemy did with Scripture. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus understood how to use the Scripture but all of that is it's not about academics it's because that the scripture is living because God spoke it at the time it is it was inspired and it is still alive today and that's the way Jesus interacted with it Jesus interacted with it as a essential priority way of communicating with God, of being in this living relationship with God. It was, Jesus went to the scripture with prayer, with humility, with reverence, and looking at it as something that was essential to his survival because he believed that God's word gives light for the way. Certainly, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life the way for us to come into relationship with God, the way for us to live a healthy life, enjoying real peace, joy, happiness, is when we're interacting with the word of God. I'll just just, just talk a little bit here, what we learned from all of this. What we learned that God's word gives light for the way. Jesus valued every word that Father God said. It was relevant to his life on earth. Jesus held the scripture in high value. Jesus taught his followers to memorize the scripture for meditation, prayer, guidance, and for using what God had already said for reasons that were personal in their own individual lives and and that God's word was relevant for families, homes, neighborhoods, communities, cities, nations and the world. That was how Jesus handled the scripture and the word of God and what, what God was saying. Jesus knew what the word of God meant. He was careful in how he handled it. He, he, he studied it. He read it. He memorized it. He could quote it. He could use it properly and powerfully. It was helpful. And what we also see in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Acts, is that the, the followers of Jesus learned from how Jesus used scripture, and they did the same thing. They read the examples, and they saw miracles. The the life, the exciting life of following Jesus, of seeking the kingdom of God first and foremost above everything, of seeing miracles, of hearing the prophetic word, of hearing what God is saying today. Every example that we have of that. In Scripture, and many examples that we have of that in history, include a powerful relationship with the words that God had already spoken in the recognized Scripture. The truth is, God's Word gives light for the way. Well, what should we do about that? Well, number one, read the Scripture while in a conversation with God. What do you mean by that? Well, What you should do when you're going to read a passage of of the Bible is pray first. Thank God. Talk to God and ask God for help. Ask God to speak to you through it. Make it a part of your relationship with God because we want to approach the scripture with some humility The truth is millions and millions of people have found the Bible to be helpful, to be worth looking at as an authority, have found it to be amazing and relevant to us today. More relevant than things that are being written today. And so if millions of people have found that to be true, we should come to it with some humility and we should ask God for help. And we see in the scripture that when we ask God for wisdom, he will answer that prayer. So read the scripture while in a conversation with God. I find that to be number, uh, number one, very helpful thing that we should do about this. Number two, share the journey. This should be something that you're talking about with your friends. Your church family is here for you. And so what, part of what the scripture sa- means when it says, speak the truth in love. We should talk about the truth in love with each other. And I want to get real practical with this right now. For those of you that call City Harbor Church your home and Rebecca and I pastors, uh, we want to bring you to an invitation to something entirely new in 2021. And we're going to invite everyone who is a part of our church family to do together this year and something that you're going to see the wisdom of in several different reasons. It's going to be helpful. It's going to be a shared experience. It's going to be exciting. It's actually going to make our doing life together more collaborative It's going to make it easier for us to hear from each other and to really be on a journey together. Listen, church is not an event you attend. It's not a video you watch for content delivery. It's relationships with a group of people that are taking next steps in following Jesus. City Harbor Church is a safe place to find and follow Jesus. And I know we all, especially after what 2020 has been like, have gotten really individualized in our life, and there's been a lot of good things about that. But I want to invite you to something to do something very different. And I want to ask you to pray about this and ask God what he would say about it. But I want to invite us to start January 1st with reading the New Testament. And we're going to get through the whole New Testament in 2021, finishing on December 31st. It's going to be about a chapter a day, sometimes less, sometimes more, uh, maybe 15 minutes. But in a week. We're going to go through that section of Scripture, and what what we're going to do differently this year than we've done in the past is that in our small groups, in our ministries, uh, we're going to have a chance to talk about what we were reading that week, and this is going to give us a chance to be more collaborative, more cooperative, and to hear from other people. We're going to have a variety of different people, members of the church, that are going to facilitate the discussions in the small groups. And are going to share what their experience interacting with it was, and are going to put out discussion questions. Not going to have you buy any extra book. We're not going to um, go down, and I'm not going to, you know, force feed you my opinion on these things. I want us to go on a journey together. I'm inviting you on a journey. Together, I'm recommending that we go on a journey together reading through the New Testament in 2021. And I'm going to be posting and emailing the whole reading plan for the whole year so that you can know in advance. And this is also going to mean we're going to have uh, some of you are also going to speak on Sundays. And some of you are going to share a part of where you're at. And it's going to be great because you're going to know Where other people are and that they were reading the same things. A lot of us have gotten to watching a lot of different shows from, I mean, I think I've heard over a dozen different streaming services and we don't often get, we're not all watching The Mandalorian. I am. I really enjoy it. I think it's great. But not everybody is. When we're reading the same thing together, it's a shared journey together. And then you know that there's something that you can talk about with the other person. So I, this is just something that I think is a great follow-up to today's message. God, God's word gives light for the way. And if God's word gives light for the way, it should be a priority in my life. If it's a priority in my life, and maybe I've found that it's not easy in the past, maybe there's gonna be a benefit to doing it together with your friends and fam- with your spiritual family, City Harbor Church. So I wanna invite you to that. We've had a good time of prayer and worship today. Will you please allow me to pray for you? Lord, I thank you for who you are and for all that you've done. I thank you that we can today be aware of your Holy Spirit speaking to us, bringing comfort, and guiding us into truth. I thank you that your Holy Spirit can help us better understand what we read in Scripture, that it would be powerful, transformational, life-giving, encouraging, and helpful. I thank you that your Scripture has advice for marriage and parenthood, for how we manage our money, for what we do with our life, for finding pleasure in this life, for enjoying the things that you've given us the opportunity to do and to share. I thank you that you've given us a church family where we can share this journey together. Lord, I ask, would you please help us to truly hear your voice Help us to hear your voice, follow your guidance, and go on this journey together. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing in this and praying about uh, taking on this journey with us together. I want to give us a really important announcement. In January, instead of our typical small group format, Every Thursday night at 7 o'clock, there's going to be a Zoom that you can jump into as an all-church interactive time together. What we have done every year is, in January, spend three weeks to be more focused on God than anything else. And last year, we uh, had times together, prayer and worship together, and it it was a powerful and a wonderful time. I really hope that you would make it a priority. Jesus invited us to seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things would be added to us And so we're going to, I want to invite you, please make it a priority on your schedule. Thursday night, seven o'clock, all church interactive Zoom for all four of the Thursday nights. There'll be more instruction coming forward as we are going to start on January 11th, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, If you haven't already read the book by Pastor Jensen Franklin, Fasting, please make sure you get yourself a copy of that. It's helpful. It's helpful. Uh, it's it's not heavy. Uh, you can read through it relatively quickly. Um, it will help you. We're going to start our, our three weeks of prayer and fasting on January 11th. And if you've never done it before, you could try just skipping one meal. Um, you could try skipping certain types of foods. There's a lot of different things that you can do it. But the main thing is we want to be more focused on God than anything else, carving out more time than we usually do to be with God, to, to start 2021 with a first fruit offering of our time and energy. to give God the best of our time and energy so that we can hear the voice of God even better. So we can be on the same page. And then what's going to happen is January 31st, we are going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary as a church. And I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to have some Uh, guests. It's going to be exciting. More information on that coming forward. Hey, thank you so much for sharing in this time together today. I've been really glad to see you. Remember, this video is available on our YouTube channel um, and on Facebook so that you can share it with others. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.